All right. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Elizabeth Fry, and you are listening to the C2 podcast. I am a psychologist located in Bielbien, Switzerland, and I have the distinct pleasure of being able to talk to a lot of different mental health and health practitioners about what they do. And today I am joined by the very lovely Carrie Flugard. Thank you for being here. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. And I'll tell everybody a little bit about you. Um, Carrie is a nutritional therapist and functional medicine practitioner. And you've been doing that for 15, about 15 years now, right? Yeah, I've been nutrition for about 15 years and specifically working functionally, as we say, for about nine years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe you could tell us what that means. What, because I actually, I've heard functional medicine. I've met functional practitioner, medicine practitioners, but, you know, tell me how it's different. What, what do they do? How does it, yeah. Okay, good, great. So um, when we say that we work functionally, it means that, essentially it means that we're looking at all the interconnected systems, like how everything connects and works with, everything else in the body. And we're looking for root cause resolution. So for example, if we if you have a stone in your in your shoe and you go hiking and it hurts and you go to a, a traditional a conventional doctor, they're going to give you a pain medication for that stone in your shoe. What we would do is we'd remove the stone. We're going to find try and find the reason why things are happening whilst looking at everything else that's going on in the body. hope that makes sense. It does. That's a really beautiful metaphor. Yeah, so it's, it's you, you look at the symptoms, but you're not necessarily treating just the symptoms. Absolutely. We're, we're treating, well, I'd, I'd, I can't really use that word, treat, okay. but um, we're addressing <laughs> the, the person as a whole. So the client is actually a master of their own health. They know exactly how, we, how they're feeling. So we're not treating the diagnosis. We're actually addressing the whole person and the whole system mm. as a whole. Mm. And okay, so you started off in nutrition and how did nutrition find its way in this direction for you? Yes, yeah, so I actually started off in the world of psychology. Um, I was doing, after studying psych, I was considering which way do I go? I really wanted to work with uh, special needs kids. And then I actually ended up counseling for severe anxiety and depression and uh, addictions. And from that, I got into the world of nutrition, like discovering how nutrition could actually influence brain function. So that's where I got into and I started studying clinical nutrition from there, mixing the psychology and the clinical nutrition together. And then from that, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of a, I like to study. I'd like the science and I like to go further and more in depth. So that's when I went into nutritional therapy, which essentially means that we work with chronic disease with targeted nutrients and diet, okay? So it's not just a blanket all, everyone eat more vegetables, <laughs> for example. So, 
And then, so from that, I got into the world of functional medicine. I, I kind of stumbled into it. It was part of my degree. Um, I didn't even know about it before I, before I did the degree. I just went and did it. And that's, yeah. Now, now I've focused predominantly on, so I still focus a lot on mental health. I work with um, anxiety, depression, and dementia prevention. And I focus a lot on the gut. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. And autoimmune disease and things like that. But mm. my main focus is starting at the guts and then working out from there. Oh, that's right. And do you, like, when people come to see you the first time, what kind of an assessment do you have them do? Do you take a stool sample, for example, or do you? Oh, I love stool samples. So. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't really <laughs> I know I mean why wouldn't you so what I would do is we sit one-on-one -on -one for hour and a half first meeting really in depth so it's a full history of well basically from conception to where you are now so that's another thing that we do function is we look at everything that has happened throughout your life that has influenced you know, for example, if you have um, a hip issue from an accident that happened when you were 18, we know that that can cause inflammation in the body and can actually impact, you know, other muscles and issues and also inflammation as a whole. So we look at things like that. We do that for a full hour and a half and then I'll go through all your tests that you're going to come in with from any other doctors that you've seen, which is generally a whole stack of tests, blood tests and all sorts of things. And then <clears throat> I really like doing a stool test. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> right. <clears throat> um, I'll do a comprehensive stool test that looks at... <clears throat> A range of gut bacteria, parasites, amoebas, worms, as well as digestive function. And then the other tests that I really like to do, things like an organic acids test, that can tell us how neurotransmitters are being broken down in the body. Um, it gives us nutrient levels. It looks at things like oxalates, which a lot of people don't realize, but oxalic acid. I'm going to go off on a tangent. Okay, I'm interested. Let's go. Let's do this. Oxalic acid um, oxalates from things like beetroot and spinach. So these are what cause a majority of kidney stones. But they can also deposit in other parts of the body and cause random pain, like a pain behind your eye or a severe foot pain or joint pain. And they've also been implicated in things like ADHD and autism. So if we find that on the organic acids test, then we know that it can either be coming from things like bacteria or fungi or yeast, or it can be coming from the diet. Hmm. So that's all in that organic acids test. And then if someone comes in with a very clear hormone issues, then we'll do something like a Dutch test, which is a comprehensive hormone test. So those are probably the top three that I use. Mm -hmm. And I like to do genetic testing as well. Okay. okay. It gives us a lot of background, stable information. 
you know, genes, just because something comes back in a genetics test doesn't, doesn't mean that has to be your destiny. We can right. work with the environments that those genes are living in. And for what kinds of pathologies are you picking up in the genetic test? dementia, I suppose, and cancer, <laughs> things like that? Yeah, so for me, I don't work with things like cancer. You can go and do those gene genetic tests with someone that does work with cancer. For me, I predominantly do them for people who would like specific dietary um, information. So sometimes we break down carbs, fats, or proteins better or we can look at if we have a higher need for vitamin B, vitamin D, iron, things like that. It gets quite interesting. We can look at how prone to inflammation we are in our body. And then a lot of my clients who have parents with a form of dementia, predominantly with Alzheimer's. Um, <clears throat> and interestingly, Alzheimer's is the leading cause of death amongst women in the UK. So wow. for a lot of my male clients, this is a big concern, especially if they have parents with Alzheimer's. Then we'll do what we call a genetic mind panel. And this will look at a whole host of genes, including that APOE gene, which can show us our uh, predisposition, yes. like our predisposition, okay, yeah. okay. how high that is. Mm -hmm. you know, there's APOE2, which means, you know, it's actually a protective gene, APOE3, which is thought to be neutral, and then APOE4, which is a very high predisposition. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So if, if I set the scene here, you know, you've got a, a new client who's who's done this testing, she's got family members or maybe even a parent with some form of dementia. She's starting to report some cognitive or emotional signs that lead you to suspect she's on that path. What kind of, what kind of nutrition or nutrients would you recommend or is that too specific to ask? Uh, well, so firstly, what I would do is start looking at all the other factors that would influence that cognitive decline. Mm. So I would start looking at hormones. Estrogen is a big thing. And I think this is a huge factor in why women are more prone to Alzheimer's because estrogen is protective. So when we start going through that perimenopause phase and into menopause, we don't have that protective factor from estrogen. So I'd have a look at what is happening with hormones first. Then I'd also have a look at gut health. Are there certain bacteria that are creating chemicals that can lead to brain inflammation? So when we have brain fog, that's a red flag for brain inflammation. We, we call that a brain on fire, right? So just as an example. Um, and also, are we actually absorbing those nutrients that we need? Are we absorbing zinc, magnesium, protein, you know, those sort of things? 
are, do we have bacteria that are making fatty acid compounds that actually protect the brain? Mm. So I would start down that sort of pathway. Then I go into lifestyle factors. Is this lady sleeping? Because sleep is, if you're not sleeping, absolutely nothing else that you do is going to be of any value. Like sleep is your number one NB, NB thing when it comes to protecting your brain. Wow. Well, and can you say like what's happening during sleep that's, that's helping us? So when, when we're sleeping, when we go into that deep sleep, that's when, so I like to think of it as little pathways going through your brain, like think of it going through all those little crevices. And when you sleep, they open up a little bit and there's a sweeper that comes along and sweeps all the dirt away. So it's basically getting rid of the buildup of plaque in your brain and it's rejuvenating your brain because the rest of your body has your lymph system to do that. And that happens all day, but your lymph system doesn't go to your brain. So you have to have that deep sleep in order for that little street sweeper to come along and clear it up. And Otherwise then, the plaque builds up in the brain and stops the transmission of, of information. Exactly, exactly that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and then, okay, so then we get on to sleep and then things like um, exercise. Exercise is vitally important for your brain, right? And if you're having cognitive issues, then exercise where you like dancing where you actually cross over from one side to the next, then that's going to be working both sides of your brain. And then I'd get into, then I'd get into targeted nutrients. So diets, of course, diets that would be supportive of the gut, supportive of detoxification as well. Um, a lot of people just, quite simply aren't eating enough vegetables and they're not eating enough variety of grains and there's a whole fruit phobia happening due to sugar like people just aren't eating enough variety of colors and then I get into targeted nutrients like curcumin to bring down inflammation resveratrol which is very supportive of the brain actually resveratrol mimics fasting which is really now, is that is that in wine am i it is in wine okay. Okay. but <laughs> in, order, <laughs> in order to get the dosage required you would have to drink about 10 liters of exceptionally good quality red mm. wine so <laughs> yes that would be very expensive in switzerland so <laughs> you would be very probably need another <laughs> solution would be. So yeah, that's, uh, that's a starting point, I guess. Yeah, well, it's so interesting to hear that because I know a lot of people would say, I take my vitamins, I take my fish oil um, supplements, and I'm doing all of these things, you know, that I, I know I should do for brain health, and I'm still suffering from some of this brain fog. And it's interesting to think that the gut health, like if your gut isn't letting you absorb those nutrients or supplements, they're no good. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. So between your liver, your gallbladder, and your gut, 
so the because the liver or oh, they're all interconnected but um if we think of bile a lot of people aren't producing or they don't have good bile flow mm. and bile um it helps conversion of um, thyroid hormones. And if your thyroid hormones aren't being converted effectively, then your brain isn't going to work properly mm. because, well, thyroid is used in every cell for, for energy. And then if that bile isn't flowing properly, then we're not going to have the digestion of fats. So your fatty acids, you might be taking a supplement, but you might not even be absorbing it effectively. Um, yeah, and clearing out those those bacteria. Are they are they good bacteria, bad bacteria? And those bacteria can be producing compounds that then go into the body and create brain inflammation. Mm. Yeah, wow. fascinating. How long does it take generally when people start making these different functional changes to reduce some of the the fire in the brain? Some people it can actually be quite quick. For some people it can be, <laughs> it can be simply removing um, foods that are causing mm. is issues mm. for them. Um, for others it can take a good amount of time. I give my clients a minimum of three months, and then after three months they will definitely be there'll be changes you can see changes wow um for some people it could take a year yeah but well that doesn't sound that long to me actually <laughs> i was expecting longer so that's that's wonderful that you can see changes yeah i think it depends where you are you know if we if we're thinking cognitive decline then i you know for me, the way I, what I work with is to prevent or halt that progression. In which case, uh, everyone varies in how, how much of a difference you're gonna see. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. once it's already declining, it's, it, the, the progression is very little. <clears throat> yeah, okay. yeah. It's, it's pretty hard to reverse or stop once once it started it's not impossible there is um a dr dale bredesen he's a, a alzheimer's researcher he's been in the field for 35 plus years um and he's put out a program the end of alzheimer's which works on diets and lifestyle and he's had he's actually had success in reversing but um that of course is is a very difficult task yeah better to catch it earlier absolutely catch it yeah prevent it yeah i'll put a link to his program and his book um in the episode notes so that people can check into it if they're curious fantastic yeah, fantastic yeah. um yeah so what are some of the signs that people might see um, uh, that, that they're, you know, maybe should be curious about these kinds of things. Well, what's uh, the brain fog, as you mentioned, is a, is a great one. I think we can all relate to that. Are there other signs that people commonly report? Yeah. So brain fog's a big one. Then there's 
general forgetfulness, but I think we need to remember that, you know, we all become forgetful. It's when we don't remember that, it, you know, when you sit there and you're thinking, oh, where did I put those keys? Where did I put the keys? Then you go, oh, okay, there we go. Or can't remember a name and then it comes back to you. That's normal. When <clears throat> we forget completely, that's definitely when we need to uh, start thinking. Uh, right, there's something to be aware of here. Um, other signs, oh, can't really think off the top of my head. Yeah. I, mean, I, I know I see some um, emotional signs, you know, irritability. Right. Impulsivity, things like that. Right, that's a big thing. Depression. Mm hmm mm hmm yeah. anxiety I think people are aware of something changing in their thinking but they can't quite put their finger on it and that can be really disorienting and anxiety provoking absolutely yes that's it and also a loss of balance so when you start walking and you're losing your balance a little bit yeah okay that's yeah that's quite a big thing uh, yeah okay this is maybe a bit off topic, but I'm just curious as well. You know, it's fall now, it's getting cold. There's less light here, especially in Switzerland. Do you recommend or have you noticed that people in general could eat differently in certain seasons? I mean, are there certain nutrients our bodies are needing more of in the winter months? Yeah, so I, I highly recommend eating according to the seasons. Oh. Eat locally eat seasonally you know what do we have in abundance at the moment it's squashes and um i think is this the season where we get more salmon coming out I i'm not sure actually no. i <laughs> i don't eat seasonally i really should but i don't yeah okay so. interesting um it's just, you know, like wild, yes, wild mm -hmm. meats. Mm -hmm. So this is another thing I recommend for brain health is um, eating animal products. Mm -hmm. But of course, ethically sourced, organic, wild is preferable. So that wild caught meat is very high in omega-3s and very low in omega-6s. So the omega-3s are the protective and anti-inflammatory. And the omega-6s, when they get too high, can be damaging. So when we come to this season, I think, what should we focus on? Those wild-caught meats. Start eating more fatty fishes so you can build. Those also have vitamin D in them. So that's a big thing for when, we, when the sun starts going down early, gray skies, we're not getting any vitamin D from the sunshine. We can get it from our food, but of course, for, for most, it's easier and better to get it in supplement form. And then of course, sticking to loads of vegetables. We have different vegetables out now. Start varying your diet, eat those different vegetables. Yeah. Mushrooms, mushrooms are fantastic. Mm -hmm. that's so interesting because so, our bodies I imagine are built to deal with different seasons and they need that variability yeah. um, do you find that people kind of get stuck in a rut of just eating the same food I know I do yeah um, I do I do so you know that if we go seasonally 
that's why in in autumn we have all those beautiful nice sweet lovely fruits you know historically we're supposed to stock up on that energy for winter so i'm not saying it's going to bun like over abundance but <clears throat> enjoy them whilst they're there and then you just leave them be um at other times of the year but yes people do get stuck eating the same foods over and over again so that's why we do the 50 foods challenge okay. and my husband jason who is a chef he absolutely loves doing it hmm. because he turns it into a proper competition <laughs> so what we do <laughs> it's a group challenge that we run two three times a year and the aim is to eat 50 different foods in seven days and you've got to mark it all on a, on a little handout exactly what foods you've eaten and people get into it with their families it's great for kids but the thing is people think you're eating couscous bread and pasta those are considered the same food because oh. they're all made of wheat good point okay so you have to be really thoughtful about it do a little research maybe do a little research, mm -hmm. but the bonus is we add, you can add in the herbs and spices because all your different herbs and all your different spices have different compounds in them. Um, that's, sorry, I've got a dog here. That um, will act to feed different bacteria and they also have different compounds that get released into the body and used for different things. So if you have rosemary, sage, and thyme, you can count those as three different. Oh, things. good. Phew. Okay. I was starting to think this might be too challenging. Okay, good. Oh, very cool. <laughs> and actually a little, here's a top tip for brain, specifically with rosemary. It's a really interesting herb in that it um, supports a neurotransmitter um, called acetylcholine. So acetylcholine is responsible for that signaling between the nerves in the brain, right? Rosemary supports it. So, um, and rosemary also supports the storage of memories in supporting that acetylcholine. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Rosemary. Yeah. All right, I've got to... <laughs> In other words, just add, <laughs> just add more rosemary. <laughs> add more rosemary to your diet in simple, simple terms. Yeah. Now, did you have to, just on a personal note, did you have to change a lot of your eating habits when you moved from South Africa to Switzerland to Europe? <clears throat> you know what? I Actually, I did because I'm completely, I'm celiac, so I'm gluten-free. When I moved to Switzerland nine years ago, there was no such thing as gluten-free bread or <clears throat> treats or anything like that. It was quite simply eat veg, uh, meat, fruit, whole grains. Eat a whole foods diet. There was no junk at all. And I actually really appreciated that. I actually really liked living here for the fact that I didn't have the opportunity to treat, to cheat. But other than that, no, not much. Um, yeah. And I do find uh, Switzerland a lot more seasonal with 
the food that comes out, which mm. is nice. Mm-hmm. How about you? Did you change much? Yeah, I, I found, I mean, I just don't eat um, processed foods really anymore. I mean, I have to cook all. <laughs> I mean, the convenience of eating in the States is is wonderful for a busy, fast-paced lifestyle. But here in Switzerland, food I find is much more deliberate and intentional in general. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which took a lot of getting used to. I'm still not quite used to it, but um, I do appreciate the benefits that it's had for, for how I treat my body in general. Absolutely. Yeah. For me, I've got, um, I'm super lucky. I'm married to a chef. Yeah, that is lucky. Very <laughs> big difference. That's a huge difference for me. Look. You know, if you had one, oh, this is a hard question, so please tell me if, but if you had one piece of just general nutritional wisdom that you share, you know, when you're sitting next to someone on an airplane, for example, is there, is there something like that that you could, you could leave us with today? I have so many things popping in my head. Yeah. But I think the number one thing that I would say is diversify your diet. Okay. Do that 50 foods challenge. See how many foods you can get in. You're more than welcome to write me. I'll send you the forms, send you the information. But diversifying your diet means that you have gut bacteria diversity. And then you have that abundance of nutrients that are going into your body. Mm. I don't... I don't follow any one specific trend or dietary model, anything like that. Everyone is completely different. Some people can do keto, other people should stay well away from it. So that is my one bit of advice, diversify. That's very cool. I'm thinking about that a lot now because I have a one-year-old, you know, and they say you have to introduce them to as many foods as possible when they're young so that they develop the, the receptors to enjoy it, right? And uh, oh, sorry, how exciting. Yeah, I, I like to think about doing that for myself at the same time is, you know, we, we bought a pomegranate the other day and had fun. I, I just thought, let's try it. And yeah, it's when fun to see babies experience food. And I'm trying to do that with myself as well. Ah, so when he has some, you can have Yeah, exactly. Try to be mindful about that. Yeah. Excellent. Nice. Yeah. There's so many ways of getting different foods in. You just have to really be creative. Exactly. Yeah. And thoughtful about it. It takes time, but it sounds like it's well worth it. um, Absolutely. Stock up on those herbs and spices. Make more pain. Yeah. Curries are fantastic. Yeah, that's a good point. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Right. So I, my website is nutri-360.com mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and then my email is kerry at nutri-360.com mm-hmm. uh, or you can find me on Facebook, mm-hmm. it's Nutri360 or Instagram, it's Swiss Nutri360. <laughs> okay, super. Yeah. And soon I will be actually launching a new website, um, Swiss Functional Health, which will be <clears throat> a whole bunch of functional health programs for, for a little bit for everyone. You know, there'll be stuff for the general public, stuff for practitioners to learn further and on a variety of topics. That's very exciting. Okay, I'll link all of those um, below in the, in the episode notes so people can have a look. Fantastic. 
And physically, you're located in Vaux in the Neon area, correct? Yes, right. So physically, I'm in the Neon area. Uh, I do have an office in Geneva as well, and I work online. I work with European-based people as well as South Africans. Oh, very cool. And yeah. do people, if they don't see you in person, can they ship their samples and things to you? Is that This done? is a really cool thing. They, the, all samples are so easily shipped. We use DHL. Um, so most of the labs that I'm using are based in the UK or the States. Um, for South Africa, there are South African-based labs, but everything is shipped using DHL. And you do all the testing at home. If you need blood tests, then we send you off down to uni labs or the local blood draw right. center. Um, wow, yeah. awesome. Super easy. Mm -hmm. Super okay, easy. very accessible, especially with all the social distancing. It's really nice to have that op option. Absolutely, no, it's fantastic. And it's quicker, it's quicker and easier than popping down to your local GP. <laughs> Unbelievable, especially in the UK with the, the NHS, it's you might be waiting quite a while. So it's nice. Know, to have, right? yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy how this world works. I mean, you take a little poo sample and it's sitting in it's sitting in Texas in three days. Incredible, <laughs> incredible international poo. So that's <laughs> well. Thank you so much for your time today, Carrie, and for sharing your your wisdom and experience with us. I think this this is going to be helpful for a lot of our listeners. Oh, thank you, Elizabeth. I really, really appreciate it. I hope everyone got at least some benefits and some helpful tips from that. And I look forward to chatting again soon. Absolutely. And maybe you'll come to BLBN and give um, a workshop some evening. Let me know if you're on board. Certainly. Most certainly. I'm up for it anytime. Super. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody.